Hello and welcome back to Equity. My name is Alex. This is an equity shot because something has happened in the world of technology that we cannot shut up about. And so to help us understand what is going on with Tesla today, I brought along TechCrunch's transportation editor, fine human, and uh, General Bon Vivant, if I may, Kirsten Korosek. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Alex. I'm doing great. Excited to talk trillion dollar Tesla today. Yeah, it's very impressive. So if you go back in time to understand exactly how Tesla pulled this off, as recently as like the late 2019 era, Tesla was worth like $66 a share. Now it's worth 994, which is a simply insane amount of value appreciation. So Kirsten, here's the thing that I think people need to better understand. Tesla went from being a company that was consuming lots of cash, raising money off the private markets, and it became a company that generates cash and seems to be, based on its last earnings report, relatively stable. So what changed at Tesla operationally in the last couple of years that has really kind of revolutionized its operations? Well, that's a mixed one because that's why Tesla is such an interesting company because on, in many ways, it has been incredibly successful in terms of scaling. There are also sort of some mixed problems over there as well. So on the manufacturing front, to me, what's amazing about this company is that it has survived. Yes, it is a tech-centric vehicle that puts software at the center, and it is a vehicle that people covet. And Elon Musk is you know, the centerpiece of that. But really, I think it's that the company has not been very risk-averse. It has really gone swinging out and taken some giant risks when other automakers probably wouldn't. And that has helped them, and that has hurt them. And that's what has, you know, created such volatility in the stock. Also, Elon Musk's Twitter habit has also made the stock relatively um, volatile. But, but, but really, in the last couple of years, they have figured out how to make a lot of EVs and improve the quality. Fit and finish has long been an issue with, with Tesla vehicles, but, that, but it has greatly improved from the early days. And so now they have a factory in China. They have the Fremont factory in California. They um, are almost finished with the Berlin factory and they are building the Austin factory. And of course, they have the Gigafactory, which is a joint venture with Panasonic. So really, it comes down to volume and their ability. Okay. So and, and demand demand is just there for, for Tesla. So on the, uh, on the demand front, a couple of things came out today that have helped juice Tesla's value in this particular trading session. There was a, a note from Hertz, which is a car rental company that I had thought died but apparently has not died. Well, Hertz emerged from bankruptcy in June and uh, was really kind of crushed from the pandemic. It was a asset, it's an asset heavy business, right? And suddenly no one was renting vehicles and um, it was holding on to all of these um, cars and it really suffered, went into bankruptcy, emerged, and today announced that they are going to buy 100,000 Tesla EVs through the end of next year. Oh, wow. The first of which are going to be coming and available to customers in November. They're also going to be investing in some charging infrastructure. What I thought was really interesting, and no one, I don't know if too many people have picked up on it because the 100,000 EV thing is such big news, but they're also going to have anyone who rents a Tesla from Hertz will also have access to the Tesla supercharger network, which ah. is going to put, in my view, is going to put pressure in certain markets like Southern California, some places in Northern California and other areas in the country really under pressure because they're already weights at those superchargers. <laughs> um, so it'll be curious to see if there's, I mean, this is, I'm wondering how that's going to all evolve. Like, is there going to be sort of, 
rental customer versus owner stink eye happening at, at the supercharger stations. Yes, there's definitely, that's going to happen for sure. But the big news and the reason why shares are going up is because of that number, 100,000 EVs. That would represent about 20% of Hertz's global portfolio. So wow. significant. And Bloomberg citing some unnamed sources put that worth about $4.2 billion in revenue. That's quite a lot of money. And then on the sales front, there was another news item about Europe, a Model 3 market share. The report that came out from another sort of a research note um, from Jado Dynamics determined that the Tesla Model 3 was the top selling vehicle in Europe last month. This makes it the first time a full electric car has outsold rival models that are combustion engine models. So that's, you know, quite the milestone and just is indicative of the demand for Tesla vehicles. I mean, when people say they're going to go buy an EV, you ask and pretty much say Tesla. Now that is likely to change, but, but as much as we might say it's going to change or there's going to be a Tesla killer out there, like it has just hasn't really happened. It is absolutely motivated, though, the market, um, meaning other automakers to to jump in on this. And then we'll see a lot of these manufacturers like companies like GM and Ford and VW. They do know how to make cars at volume and at scale. So we'll see if they're able to have their vehicles will have the same cachet as a Tesla. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Model 3 number because it, it, it's brought up a subject that I'm very curious about. And I just realized in our notes, I wrote Model S to Model 3 mix shit. I meant mix shift. Uh, I just noticed that typo. So sorry about that. Uh, but there has been a, a real handoff between um, the Model S, which has been around longer than the Model 3 and Tesla. And now Model 3s make up a huge you know, kind of majority of Tesla unit volume. Has that like, has the Model 3 cannibalized Model S revenues or is it just kind of popular because it's cheaper and essentially as good as a Model S? Well, the Model S, if you speak to some of the you know earliest Tesla employees, people who worked on the Model S, I mean, the Model S was never meant to be like a volume production vehicle to the to what it became. Originally, it was going to exist and then lead to cheaper models, but not necessarily hang around. And then it's hung around. It has been updated recently in the 2021 model year is significant refresh. Model X is getting the same. But if you look at the breakdown of production and delivery numbers, Model Y and Model 3 encompass 95% of, of that figure. So it's completely taken over from the X and the S. And that's what's really interesting to me in terms of their profit, is that they're able to profit in spite of selling a cheaper vehicle. And to put that in kind of numerical terms for everybody, if you look at Q3 deliveries for Tesla, there were 232,102 Model 3 and Model Y vehicles, and there were 9,289 delivered Model S and Model X. So really a mixed shift towards the cheaper vehicles. But at the same time, Kirsten, Tesla just put up a record automotive gross margin number. So they've actually managed to sell lower cost vehicles while boosting their overall economics, which I found to be incredibly impressive when I was reading the last earnings report. I mean, it speaks to operational, I hate to say it, but excellence, I think. Right, which is kind of fascinating, again, because they have been criticized in the past, or at least a few eyebrows raised because of some of their manufacturing tactics, specifically in Fremont, where they were building vehicles in a tent, for example. And the thing is, is that Tesla should be credited for very quickly prototyping. They're very good at prototyping and zigging when they need to zag and, you know, adjusting quickly. 
but that oftentimes led to, let's say, quality issues. <laughs> it seems like they've managed to figure out much of that. And it also yeah. helps that they are now, of course, making vehicles in China as well um, and soon in, in Europe. And that, that that operational efficiency and all the mistakes that they made in the past hopefully are corrected. On the other end, there still is major issues on the service side. There are absolutely problems with getting service quickly. That is a problem. And uh, the more you scale, those problems will be conf- you know, will be compounded until you deal with that. It sounds like Tesla is a little bit over its skis then when it comes to supercharger station density in certain markets where it's popular and also service cap- capacity. Are they scaling those up kind of in a commensurate fashion? Definitely on the supercharger side of things. I believe that they're at about 3,000 superchargers. If you have that in front of you, you can you can tell me if I'm correct yeah. on that. 3,254 supercharging stations up 49% year over year. And there is there are plans um, and they continue to build those out. Like one of the biggest supercharger stations you should check out if you're ever in California, I believe is the Kettleman one. And that one is expanded exponentially. It's it's massive facility if you've ever gone and hung out and waited for your Tesla to to charge, um, which I have. And I, and I should say, I don't own a Tesla, but I test them all the time. So there is that happening. They have indicated that there is work to be done on service and they're scaling that up. It just is not as obvious to me. And they're anecdotally, I hear reports, tips all the time of like problems with service, depending on the market and the timing. So to summarize for everybody, Tesla, good news today push the stock to a new high, hit the $1 trillion market cap. But essentially what matters is there's been a long history leading up to this point to allow them that kind of capacity and ability to deliver cars at that volume. And this leads us to the most important question regarding Tesla, which is why are they so ugly? I think in the notes I said, in your opinion, Alex. But my a opinion lot of is correct. <laughs> so I want to know why. People... why. Uh, well, what, it, what, it, what is so offensive to you? They look the same. Like, I feel like the Model S came out and then they just threw away their pencils and they made the Model S, which is kind of like the Model 3 and the Model Y, they just stretched it a little bit from top to bottom. So it's slightly fatter. Like, I mean, and the Model X is a very stretched Model S. Like, why don't they come up with a new design? Well, I, I, I don't know. That'd be a question for them. Although I will say that um, if you want to really push the range, you can do that in a number of ways. One is by just putting increasingly large battery pack size in or thinking about things like coefficient drag and lightweighting your vehicles. And so certain designs just tend to be more efficient oper- you know, on the battery efficiency side, or at sure. least allowing for that longer range. Um, but also they've also had the same, the same designer over at Tesla for a long time. I'm not a huge fan over at, of the Model X, I'll be honest. I just have never really loved the design. Um, The Model Y, you're correct, is very similar to the Model 3. It shares a lot of the same parts, which is probably why they're able to push that um, um, automotive gross margins up. But I would argue that the S does look considerably different from the 3. Well, maybe I should do a a side-by-side, but whenever I see them in the wild, I'm like, ah, it's an S3. I see. Yes, it's one of those again. One of those generic cards I've been seeing since 2012. Just looking ahead though, Kirsten, one last question for you is about the Cybertruck, which was announced. And then uh, I feel like it's just disappeared. Is that actually coming or is that turned into kind of like uh, just kind of like a, a brag that never turned into reality? I mean, I'm not going to say it's never going to happen, but I was at the Tesla event in which they unveiled the Tesla semi and that was 2017 and that hasn't happened yet either. So I would say... Let's Don't hold all, my breath. Yeah, I was thinking of a, a another way to say that, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm sure it will eventually happen. But 
if the priority, if they're making money now, right, and they're scaling yeah. up and they have a number of factory projects underway, we haven't talked at all about the full self-driving beta software, which to be clear to the audience is in a, the enhanced feature or the $10,000 feature that's added on to the autopilot, which is the advanced driver assistance system. This is not a self-driving car. You can argue all day long about that, but it is not. A driver has to still be able to pay attention and, and gain control. And that is the dividing line between what is self-driving and what is not. We haven't talked at all about that and what that might mean for the future of the company. My view has always been that it is the most promised, but also the biggest risk to the company. And I think shareholders right now are very aggressively protective of it, but I'm waiting for something that used to happen and was happening around early 2000s with energy and oil and gas companies, which was, and I covered energy for a long time, which was that suddenly shareholders kind of started turning on companies like Chevron and Exxon because they saw climate change as a, a financial risk to the company. Yeah. I'm waiting for that same thing to happen with shareholders where they see full self-driving or specifically how it's being rolled out as potentially being a financial risk for the company because of regulators, which are already increasing their scrutiny, really start to lock it down. It puts Tesla at risk. It also puts other automakers at risk too, because right now, most, guy most of these are guidelines. These are voluntary right. guidelines in the industry. So- here we here we are, and and I'm really curious in the next year or two how this all falls together um, in terms of the FSD. We'll leave it to Tesla to finally get to the point in which it seems economically and commercially viable for the long term, only to introduce another enormous question mark over its head, demanding our attention for the coming couple of years. Um, Kirsten, we got to leave it there, but I really appreciate your time and uh, congrats on building a really great transport team at TC. I read tons of your group's coverage and they're fantastic. So thank you for that. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Equity's back Wednesday. We'll see you then. Bye.